0: Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, pregnancy focused chiropractor, Dr. Elliot Berlin. Today, we're speaking with an operations supervisor for a biotechnology company working in biotherapeutics by day and birth work by night. And we're going to compare her two birth experiences. Hannah Gill, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Dr. Berlin. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing amazing. What a combination of night and day. By the way, I picture, based on my own introduction, I picture you going into a phone booth when somebody's in labor and putting on a superhero outfit and (laughs) flying over to save the day. But let's talk about the beginning. Where are you from originally? And what's this biotech business?
1: So I was born in Kansas City, Missouri, but I've spent the majority of my life in Indiana with a brief stint in Nebraska and then back to Indiana.
0: Okay, which part of Nebraska?
1: Tacoma, very very.
0: That? that sounds like not very many people.
1: No, the population was less than my high school. Um, it's about wow. an hour north of Omaha, so it's very small. <laughs>
0: so a gas station and a saloon. And
1: Basically, and yes. A everyone knows and... everyone, and everyone's related.
0: Oh boy, well, I don't want people to know my business. <laughs> All right, and then where did you go to school?
1: So undergrad, I went to IU Bloomington. In Indiana. And then for grad school I did IUPUI, which is Indianapolis University, Purdue University.
0: And you studied
1: undergrad human biology and then my master's is in forensic biology.
0: What does that mean in English? Forensic biology. It's so
1: forensic. forensic science, what a lot of people see on CSI, but it's nothing like that.
0: <laughs> okay, because
1: it's very fabricated on TV. Oh, and I see. the processes take much longer than that.
0: Oh, it doesn't take forty five minutes to figure it out. No.
1: Mm -mm. and most of the time there's not an answer
0: oh that's (laughs) even worse and no commercial breaks though which is Mm -hmm. nice okay and then where'd you meet your hubby
1: and we i started dating in high school so we've been together since i was 15 and he was 17.
0: wow did you know did we know what like in high school (laughs) did that feel like this was going to be a forever Yeah,
1: yeah probably
0: really wow that's very special how cool All right. And then kids, was that, uh, was like, hey, now we should have kids since we've been dating forever.
1: Yeah. We always wanted to have kids. We got married in 2016 and decided to not really start trying, but not, not try in 2019 when I got diagnosed with PCOS.
0: Were you having symptoms or were you trying to get pregnant? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So I stopped birth control the year prior and I had been on birth control since I was basically started my period, like a lot of women are, um, and I stopped birth control in 2018 because I was just over it. I was tired of being on it so long. And I was tired of the side effects The pill. and then I, yeah, the pill. Hmm. And then after that, I started having two periods a month instead of one. Oh, right. So then I went to my OBGYN because I said, this is obviously not normal. And they did an ultrasound and some blood testing and found like the string of pearls or whatever. They call it for PCOS. And then my testosterone levels were super, super high. So that's how I got diagnosed. I don't have like the traditional PCOS symptoms besides those two things.
0: Oh, so only the diagnostics. You did not feel PCOS.
1: Right. So I don't have like the insulin resistance or anything like
0: that. uh, Oh, metabolic X syndrome. Right,
1: right. And the only symptoms I was having was the two periods a month.
0: Wow. With high testosterone, which is like...
1: Yeah, I've had acne my whole life. So I just assumed it was just who I was, but it was apparently part of my PCOS.
0: Hmm. Sometimes I have low testosterone. I feel like I'll take some of yours. <laughs> <laughs> can we do that? Is that okay? Take it away,
1: please. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, okay. So then PCOS and how do you treat that?
1: So I decided not to treat it because I just said you can get back on birth control to help. Oh, yeah. And I I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be on birth control anymore. So my OBGYN said, well, it could take you a while to get pregnant or it could be really fast. It just depends. And we got pregnant literally the first time.
0: (laughs) Oh, the first time that you were off birth control? I mean, no. Like
1: the first time not preventing.
0: Okay. So after the pill, you were doing something else to block. Yes. So you were ready. You said, let's try and see what happens.
1: Yeah. I said, well, it could take a while. It could be fast. So let's just not Prevent and let's just see what happens. And boom, it was literally the first time.
0: How was your pregnancy?
1: Awful. Oh, <laughs> not awful. I'm not horrible, but I was sick the entire nine months with my first pregnancy.
0: Sick, um, so, nauseous, or like also vomiting
1: all day. Oh, so hyperemesis. It was very borderline. So it wasn't officially hyperemesis because it wasn't like constant all day, every day. But the majority of my first trimester was constant all day. And then the second and third trimester, it was at three to four times a day, but it never ended after the first trimester. That
0: sounds hyperemesis to me. First of all, did it stop as soon as the baby was born? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it does sound like hyperemesis because we have a couple episodes about hyperemesis, one with Amy Schumer discussing her experience with pregnancy and hyperemesis, and then one with a few doctors. But what the doctor said is that they're kind of nailing it down to hormones created by the placenta, uh, a satiety hormone that makes you feel full all the time in excess production so that anything you eat makes you feel like Overfull, like you've had too much like you have to get rid of it so a little bit sounds like that but there's a foundation called the her foundation h-e-r and they have great resources for people who are struggling like that during pregnancy and one of them is an app where you can kind of input your symptoms and then send it to your doctor to get a better handle on whether that's hyperemesis or not so I was already grateful that you did the podcast, but now another chance to uh, help people who experience pregnancy like that.
1: Agreed, Uh, because I was never diagnosed with it. So,
0: Was there a plan for birth?
1: Yes. So I had planned to do an unmedicated hospital birth, um, and I just took the basic hospital birth class and then an advanced labor birth class is what they called it to kind of help you get through it without medication. Also at the hospital? Yes, wow. but it was after looking back at my experience and what I know now, it was not very helpful. It was a very fast, just like quick and dirty type of class on here's some comfort measures, but it didn't really help prepare me.
0: Sometimes the hospital birth class feels like how to be a good patient at a oh, yes. hospital.
1: Oh yes, so, I agree. <laughs> um,
0: I usually Which recommend I now. Yeah, I usually recommend if you want to do something that's uh, a little out of the box for a typical hospital birth to do a non-hospital birth class
1: no one I knew had ever birthed outside of a hospital and mm. the majority of people I knew did not birth unmedicated so mm. I just thought oh you go to an OB you go to a hospital and that's how it is I didn't know what a birth center was I had never even heard of a doula at that time or and I didn't know anyone had a home birth so I just kind of took the route that I do best and that's what happened
0: (laughs) yeah all right well let's take a quick little break and when we come back we'll see how that birth went don't go anywhere we'll be right back (laughs) hey everyone it's dr berlin and i want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart literally omega-3 it's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the podcast. We're talking to Hannah Gill. Okay, so first pregnancy, boom, right out of the gate, and horrible nausea and vomiting all the way through, but then you took a hospital birth course on childbirth and you did an extra class for unmedicated childbirth and how did your labor start?
1: So I didn't really feel like the gradual buildup a lot of people talk about. It was more of as soon as my contraction started, they were extremely intense and five minutes apart. So Wow. Okay. What ex- time of day was that? About 5 30 in the morning.
0: Okay. So boom. And so I assume it woke you up.
1: Yes, I had gotten up to go to the restroom and then try to go back to sleep, and that was not happening. Mm-hmm. So I decided to get in the shower to see if that would calm anything, and it definitely did not.
0: <laughs> oh, I Meaning just progressed?
1: It just kept getting worse and worse as far as the pain goes. So my husband was already at work at this time, and I just what? called. Yes, he goes, he leaves for work around 5 a.m.
0: <laughs> Holy moly. Okay.
1: So, so I, I called. Before him.
0: he left, nothing
1: no it was not until he left of course
0: and then a half an hour later raging okay and then he came back
1: yeah so i gave him a call at work or i actually texted him first and i said hey i'm starting to have contractions they're really intense i'm gonna try to get in the shower but i'll let you know how things go and i started using that contraction timer and i said go to the hospital Oh wow! (laughs) so i called him on like the work line because he wasn't answering the cell and i told them i said get him home now please (laughs) And he got home and I was on the birth ball, and he's like, What am I supposed to do? I said, Just grab the bags, let's just get going. And of course, it, by this time, it was getting close to rush hour around where we are. And I was not looking forward because we're about 30 minutes from the hospital I was birthing. Oh, in. my. So it was a, if interesting. If only
0: you were in a small town with 200 people. Oh, yes. Like <laughs> before. <laughs> yes. Rush hour would be like rush minute.
1: Yes. So um, the drive to the hospital was pretty rough with having to wait in traffic but oh my them. gosh
0: with, <laughs> with that kind of intensity especially yeah we're you in the front seat back seat
1: front seat
0: like yeah. buckled in, like or on your hands and knees. At first, know. I was
1: buckled in, and then I got unbuckled, took my coat off because I was sweating, rolled the window down, and mind you, this was December and it was freezing. <laughs> um, but so my husband was cold, I was like sweating, so no, I was buckled in at first, and then it was just like bracing myself and holding onto the door, trying to breathe through my contractions.
0: I mean, it sounds like a caged animal.
1: Yes. That's exactly how it felt.
0: I'd probably get in trouble for saying that, but that's what it just sounds like. You need to yeah. have space and get out of there and move. Yeah. And...
1: and I was vomiting my entire labor, too. so
0: Oh, that in the fun. car. Yeah. Uh, what happened when you got to the hospital?
1: So they had me sign all those fun forms um, well, as I'm breathing through my contractions, and then got me into triage, and I was only three centimeters.
0: <laughs> Ouch. Okay. Yeah. Had um, you been checked before? Like in... um, yeah,
1: so my first pregnancy, I did get checked. The day before I went into labor, I was two centimeters, and I had my ob membrane sweep.
0: Oh, okay. Um, you think that contributed to the morning events? Okay.
1: Yes, I, I think so, because it was much more intense than I had expected, so maybe the sweep kind of escalated that.
0: Was there, like, any blood after the sweep?
1: No. Nope. Hmm.
0: Okay. So three centimeters only, in your words, three centimeters?
1: Yes. Well, because I had been to the day before, and with how intense my contractions were, I was expecting it to be way further along. Six so that or was seven. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they did check my platelets. I did not mention I had gestational thrombocytopenia
0: uh, where your platelets well, are low. We do so, have a whole episode on gestational thrombocytopenia. Yes. Yes. With I've Dr. Nate to it. Fox, uh, that was triggered by Mandy Moore, who had it with at least her first pregnancy yeah wow so does that mean were you borderline epidural or
1: i was borderline so i wasn't as low as where you absolutely know for sure you can't have it it was always really borderline and for my hospital when they checked it it was like right at the level so that's why i decided okay i'm just gonna get it because who knows in a couple hours i may not be able to anymore Mm -hmm. so i just went ahead and got it because my contractions were so intense and i was right on that level so I got epidural right away.
0: (laughs) I mean, it also sounds like with the intensity and the progress, like your mind might have been easily persuaded anyway. Oh,
1: yes. It was all a mind game. Yeah, Yeah. for sure.
0: Okay. So did it work?
1: The epidural? Yes. It worked wonderfully and I took a nap.
0: Okay, great. (laughs) And uh, how did the rest of that labor progress?
1: So I progressed very quickly. I got my epidural around eight or nine o'clock, started pushing around one o'clock
0: uh so four hours and yeah. this is 1 p.m so really not yes. that long after your entire labor started right okay how was pushing
1: I pushed for four hours
0: did the epidural start to wear off did they no, it down the you couldn't epidural feel was
1: anything. so strong I could not even tell I was pushing oh wow That's <laughs> which crazy. is part of the problem
0: oh four hours of that
1: yes yeah, so four hours of that
0: what position?
1: um just like the semi-reclined position
0: so I don't get into like hands and knees or stuff like that
1: I didn't know that was an option oh at the time so yeah
0: well if you could go back in time listen to this episode (laughs) all right so pushing on your back with your pelvis closed numb from the chest down right um, and then the whole holding
1: your breath counting for 10 seconds, push, 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 that type of thing. So the coach pushing that everyone hears about.
0: Yeah. Okay. And in the four hours, was the baby handling it? Well, I assume. Yeah, there
1: was one brief D cell, but they didn't make a big deal about it. They just had me put some oxygen on and rest for a minute.
0: Okay. And then what happened?
1: So we figured out that baby was most likely asynclitic the way he was coming down. And we didn't know if it was a boy or girl at this time, just a side note. So the way the baby was coming down, um, just kept coming down, going back up, coming down, going back up. So Mm -hmm. after those four hours, I opted for a cesarean.
0: Okay. Mm Asynclitic essentially means not lined up with the runway very well. So all that pushing is not really coming down. It's just flexing the head sideways and then... As soon as you stop pushing, the head fluxes back up. Um, always recommend seeing a baby car after a labor like that, by the way. Okay, so how was the cesarean for you?
1: It was not great. Like, I actually felt a lot more than I expected to. So they gave oh, great. me... You
0: didn't feel your pushing, but you uh, felt your abdominal yeah. surgery.
1: Right. So I was, like, basically screaming and telling my husband, like, I need something else. This hurts really bad. I can feel a lot. So they gave me some additional medication through the epidural whatever they give you that's extra and i kind of dozed off for a few minutes i think i don't know if i fell asleep or what they gave me just kind of knocked me out a little bit but i don't remember my baby being born basically i don't
0: afraid you were going to say that yeah
1: Yeah, i don't remember hearing him cry the first thing i remember is my husband saying babe it's a boy because we didn't know and i was just so out of it and so loopy that i don't really remember much of it all I'm so sorry. Thank you. I mean, I I appreciate the sentiment there. And I I know it's hard for a lot of women who have that experience. I know a lot of people go through it, especially if they're having to be put under general anesthesia too. Thankfully, I didn't have to do that. But
0: it sounds like you're pretty close.
1: It was pretty close. Yeah. I mean, I just had the epidural, so I didn't need general, but they did give me, I don't know what they gave me additional to help with the pain, but I kind of dozed off for a little bit.
0: For a key moment.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: So, How was your recovery?
1: So in the actual recovery room, I went hypotensive and I hemorrhaged really bad. So mm. I was like on the verge of completely passing out because my blood pressure was so low and I had a lot of blood loss. So during that process, I was kind of out of it, but my husband was trying to help my son nurse at the same time, but I was like shaking and I couldn't really hold him. So he was helping him do that. Oh, this
0: a, begs the question, did he get any pictures or video of the baby coming?
1: Not of um, him actually coming out, but like in the operating room, we got some photos of him on like the warmer thing. And then
0: uh, I'm was saying or, anything to fill in the blanks of when you were out?
1: Not really. They got a picture of us all three together in the OR, but I don't really remember that being taken. I just see the picture. <laughs> hmm. Okay.
0: No. So something from
1: yeah something
0: that you can look at okay and then recovery at home wait so did you have blood transfusions
1: i did not have to get transfusions um they just said it was more than they would like to see from a cesarean but not as enough to get a transfusion
0: related to the thrombocytopenia
1: i don't know i guess it could be that would make sense i don't know if it was that or i, I know that if you i guess pushing for a long time mm, you cause your that uterus or, doesn't yeah yeah
0: okay How was your home recovery?
1: It was pretty rough. Um, I was in quite a bit of pain postpartum at the hospital and at home, and I didn't really feel comfortable doing much of anything for several weeks. And And I think it was a lot of emotional pain as well as physical.
0: So on the physical side at the incision?
1: Yeah, in my abdomen in general. So Are you athletic-y? I was before I got pregnant. Yeah, Mm -hmm. not as much during my pregnancy or postpartum.
0: My observation, it seems to affect fit people more than people who are less, you know, in tune with the body.
1: Right. And I've heard that the like tension, if your muscles are tighter, can cause a lot of issues too. So if you are athletic and you have really tense muscles and they're not relaxed, it can cause some issues. (laughs)
0: Well, again, in my observation, clinically in the office, one of the things that we see is if you're strong and also tight, a combination of strong and tight creates a rigid environment. Mm-hmm. And if the baby's not lined up well with the runway, then it's a bit harder to maneuver in that right. static environment. And that's where you end up spinning your wheels a lot in labor. But the cool thing about that is if you can do something and get rid of that tension, the excess tightness, the dysfunctional shortness, and all you have is the strength, then it goes the other way. That's the, Those are like the most powerful births I've ever right. seen. And then emotionally, how were you feeling? You said that was also uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, I was really just kind of thrown off and shocked by my birth experience. And I ended up with postpartum depression and anxiety and had to go to therapy to help talk through that, which was extremely helpful. I recommend it to anyone that needs it. So it was a rough postpartum, physically and mentally, for sure. Oy. And
0: did that patient
1: go well for you? Yeah, he, he actually nursed great. Breastfeeding was wonderful. We breastfed for a year. so.
0: Oh, okay. Well, at least there's some things some that positivity. did go. Yeah, <laughs> in your way that you wanted them to go um i guess looking back would you have done anything specific differently
1: i probably would have waited on the epidural or if i would have known at the time gotten a doula for that birth but i didn't know what a doula was i didn't know that was a thing so that's probably what i would have done differently and then i also would have i didn't mention this but they did break my water at nine centimeters i asked them to break it because i didn't know any different and i feel like he could have gotten a better position if my water wasn't broken yeah it's
0: hard to hard to know but um one wonders for sure and just getting back to the hyperemesis before we move on to your next baby was it like literally that same day that it stopped
1: yeah i wasn't sick at all i was sick all through labor and that i wasn't sick at all afterwards were you hungry? I was hungry. I think the only other thing that made me sick was my pain meds postpartum. Mm, yeah, um, okay. that made me sick until they got the right one.
0: <laughs> and this is when you start going to phone booths and uh, helping other people in labor. Tell me about that.
1: So I started out with childbirth education first. Okay,
0: um, becoming then, a childbirth educator. Yes. Yeah. A I specific did that first. method?
1: Not a specific method. I just wanted to become an out of hospital specifically because of how my experience with my birth class and how I did not enjoy it. And I thought, well, there needs to be better options for people because that wasn't great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I just started to do that first. And then I did not get into doula work until after the birth of my second.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. That sounds like a excellent place to take a quick break. (laughs) And let's find out about the second pregnancy and birth and the doula work. We'll be right back. (laughs) Welcome back. We're talking to Hannah Gill and let's talk about baby number two. So was that planned?
1: Yes. The second was planned for sure.
0: Super fast again?
1: Took two cycles, but still relatively fast. So yeah. pretty
0: darn fast. Yeah, especially people get very nervous with PCOS, that so it's always going to take a while. How was your second pregnancy?
1: So the first trimester was extremely rough for about 17 weeks. Again, borderline, oh. probably this time was actually hyperemesis. Again, I wasn't diagnosed, but I did end up in the hospital with fluids because I couldn't keep anything down and had to take time off work. So the first trimester was rough, but then it Got better after that this time. Well, the
0: good thing about taking time off at work is you usually don't get the answer anyway. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so <laughs> nobody would even know you're not there. Okay. So, wow. You said 17 weeks. Does that mean it got better?
1: Yes. After 17 weeks, it got it got better. I was still nauseous here and there and had random bouts of vomiting, but nothing nearly like my first.
0: Right. So it sounds like the first part of your second pregnancy was worse than the first the pregnancy. Whole, yes but then it got a lot better than the first pregnancy well, it's yes. so interesting how it works who knows <laughs> and then what was your plan for this one
1: so this time i originally wanted to do a birth center but it is illegal to v-back in indiana in a birth center really yes
0: it's out they made VBAC outside the scope of practice of a birth center
1: yes it's not allowed
0: that's in weird
1: I know, and I didn't know it was a thing until I looked into it.
0: I could see insurance not wanting to cover it, but to outlaw it seems strange.
1: Yeah, it's a little drastic.
0: (laughs) Just like restrictive in a free country.
1: Okay. Yeah. So after figuring that out, I thought, well, let's go the route of home birth. But the closest midwife to me would not take the first feedback after cesarean. She would only take the second feedback after cesarean. Wow. So the closest midwife to me that would take me on was about two hours away and I didn't feel comfortable driving that far for appointments Right. so everywhere else was out of my service area unfortunately
0: okay so So. I
1: decided to stay with my OB that did my cesarean because she was great as far as supporting me through that and she was completely on board with me having to be back that's cool Mm -hmm. and And then I hired a doula as well
0: okay and did you have the thrombocytopenia again? I
1: did, yes.
0: Okay, so that was still a question mark in terms of how that might affect you.
1: Yeah, so I just completely planned to not have an epidural and didn't even think of it as an option in my mind, just in case. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think the thrombocytopenia kind of risks you out of the out-of-hospital birth anyway. Yeah, it does,
1: on... depending on the level, I believe. Right, it, yeah. It, mine were never that low, I don't think.
0: Hmm. In the second
1: Yeah, they were low in the second, but it was more of just risking you out of an epidural versus
0: Uh out of hospital. Yeah, but if you're low enough to risk out of an epidural, you're probably too low for home birth.
1: Yeah, potentially, I think so.
0: It's my guess. It's not my area of expertise. But anyway, anything else that popped up during that second pregnancy?
1: I had a marginal cord insertion with my placenta. Okay. And that was the only other weird thing. So they just did a couple extra ultrasounds just to make sure baby was growing okay, but baby was always fine.
0: Cool. How did that labor start?
1: So again, it was fast and furious, but when I went into the hospital, I didn't know I was in labor. I just had some excessive bleeding that was concerning.
0: Oh, interesting. So where is this in relation to your due date?
1: I was two days past my due date. Okay. I was a week early with my son, the first.
0: Was there a sweep on the second?
1: Nope. I did not have any cervical checks and no sweeps.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So then you just start bleeding a bunch. You go to the hospital. Yeah. No contractions though?
1: No contractions.
0: Okay. Mm -mm.
1: So I get to the hospital and they put me on the monitor. They want to check, make sure it's not a placental abruption or anything like that. And I was three centimeters at that time. And they said, well, how about we actually, I was probably closer to four. So they wanted to sit me on the monitor because I wanted to labor at home as long as possible so Mm -hmm. i planned to go home if we could because i wasn't having contractions and they wanted to monitor me for about an hour just to see if i made any progress and in that hour i dilated another centimeter so we just decided to stay at the hospital at that time
0: okay so now you're like Mm five-ish no idea where that blood was coming from
1: no they said it just kind of trickled off it didn't happen a lot they said it could have been a partial abruption it could just been part of like a bloody show that was more intense so yeah okay give me an answer on that
0: (laughs) how did labor progress
1: so it was a whirlwind but we got to the hospital around eight i progressed extremely quickly and my entire labor was five hours
0: oh wow and how was the intensity
1: so it was still pretty intense but i had done a hypnobabies course so i was pretty good at staying relaxed and then my husband was very helpful as well but they were really intense when they picked up the first ones were very gradual but then right around transition obviously they got super intense
0: were you planning to stay medicated
1: yes yeah so i was planning no epidural whatsoever okay. unless it was absolutely needed
0: and was the team around you the hospital staff supportive
1: yes so the nurse we had was super supportive i was up and moving i was on the toilet and the shower she was great about letting me do my thing and i had wireless monitors they tried to keep them on as best as possible but i was moving so much it didn't really work yeah
0: <laughs> okay and then how did that birth end?
1: so my doula almost didn't make it <laughs> because it was so oh, wow. fast Um i was texting her throughout the process on like how i was doing And I texted her around right when my water broke, which was a little after five centimeters. I was GBS positive, so I did have to get a round of antibiotics.
0: Well, we should explain that. Group B strep is a type of bacteria that can sometimes colonize in the birth canal. Generally, in the United States, everyone gets swabbed for it somewhere around 37 weeks. And if you're positive, then the... General recommended treatment is IV antibiotics during labor, usually every few hours. So you have the GBS. There's also an episode on Group E Strep Positive with Rebecca Decker from Evidence-Based Birth. And she goes into a lot more detail about what it is and if there is anything that you can do to prevent it and other potential treatments. I would Check it out. Okay, so you have GBS, so you're getting your IV antibiotics. mm
1: mm-hmm. And I was up and moving after that, but my water did break around five ish centimeters. And right after my water broke is when things really, really picked up. And I.
0: Where were you when it broke?
1: I was still in the bed because I had just got down to my antibiotics. Ah. And then after that, I basically got up and went to the toilet and sat there for an hour.
0: <laughs> was it a big old gush?
1: It wasn't a huge gush, but it was quite like it wasn't like obviously a gush, but it was a ton of fluid that came out. Yeah.
0: Okay. It wasn't like, oh, did I just pee a drop? It was. Oh, no.
1: It was like, this happened.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Sitting on the toilet with people around you? Or did you just. My husband
1: was with me in the bathroom um, while I was on the toilet, getting me washcloths for my face, rubbing my shoulders, that type of thing. Hmm. Um, So I was on the toilet for at least an hour. And that's when I started transitioning
0: to the dilation station. (laughs) Ah.
1: So my contractions were on top of each other at that point. Like one back to back to back. And that's when my doula walked in (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I told her her name's Julie. I said, Julie, I need an epidural. Mm -hmm. She said, well, let's maybe try to switch positions, get off the toilet. So we moved to the shower at that point, which was extremely helpful.
0: Mm -hmm. The warm
1: water? Yes, it was warm. At first it was way too hot (laughs) and um, it was really sensitive on my back and I had to wait till it cooled down. So I was leaning over the sink counter until I could get in. Was was, the
0: intensity in your back? Was it like more? No, it was in
1: my pelvis. Like I felt like I was pushing basically. Oh. My husband got in the shower with me and I was hanging on him around his neck. And then my dealer was behind me putting the the water on my back. Sounds dreamy. Yeah. And I started basically bearing down and pushing in the shower. And the nurse was like, yeah. And the nurse was like, well, maybe we should move to the bed. (laughs) Yeah. Did you? Um, we did eventually move to the bed i was very reluctant to do so but we moved to the bed and i got on hands and knees to start my pushing process
0: was that instinct or is that planned
1: so my doula suggested it because i had a a partial um, cervical lip so she said with the position of the lip that being on hands and knees would kind of help push that away
0: cervical lip just a piece of the cervix that's not quite out of the way yet Mm -hmm the baby to pass through more easily okay and were you starting to push
1: yes so i was pushing at that point i pushed in hands and knees for about 10 minutes and then my doula suggested switching to squat position to kind of help baby come down more
0: did you have a squat bar or we had a squat bar
1: and i I was very reluctant to move to that as well because i was just exhausted and it was great to lean on the back of the bed and i said there's no way i can hold myself up in a squat (laughs) What so I had the squat bar, and then my husband supported me as well.
0: well I'm behind you. <laughs>
1: and I'm kind of on the side, like holding my back up, so I wouldn't fall backwards a little bit. Uh, so, uh,
0: how long was pushing?
1: So it was a total of 15 minutes. Oh my goodness! Minutes. Yeah, minutes, <laughs> hands and knees, and then as soon as I moved to a squat position, it was maybe two contractions, and it was out. She didn't have any head molding or anything. She came out so fast. I just
0: came right through. Did that surprise you?
1: It did because pushing was like the one feat I wanted to get past because it was so long with my son that I was right. pushing, and it was intense, and I just felt like she just shot out.
0: <laughs> wow, uh, what was going through your mind
1: at that point? First of all, we didn't know if it was a girl or boy again, so I wanted to first find out if it was a girl or boy, but it was just so intense and. I thought okay just if i could just get her out then there's no chance i'll have a c-section i just wanted Mm -hmm. to get her out i just wanted to get past that but yeah the ring of fire was brutal
0: (laughs) oh really for how long did that last would you say just
1: probably 30 seconds
0: (laughs) okay 30 second ring of fire yeah how was your recovery
1: it was great so i just had a slight second degree tear just because she did come out so fast and i didn't control the pushing to slow it down much at all but i had a little bit of a retained placenta as well so it took a little bit for them to really get all that out and they had to do an ultrasound to make sure mm-hmm. and i actually had to get more of it removed several weeks later because it oh, was wow. still there but overall recovery from the VBAC was a hundred times easier than a c-section
0: mind and body
1: mind and body yes
0: Hmm. well congratulations thank you I know you worked hard for that and what an intense journey from beginning to end even just finding out that you had PCOS and the question marks that that brings up
1: mm-hmm.
0: what would you do with a third pregnancy for the birth
1: 100% home birth as long as oh. I'm able to because um,
0: now you can the second be back now that yes. you have a quote-unquote yeah. proven pelvis
1: right But as long as my platelet levels are fine and everything checks out, I would 100% want to have a home birth.
0: You just have to do another episode in a couple of years. (laughs) (laughs) Before we go, tell me about your new nightlife.
1: Yes. So I am a childbirth educator, birth and postpartum doula. I am owner of Ebb and Flow Birth Co. is what my business is called. So I do doula support for postpartum and birth, and I'm in Indianapolis, in that area, so I'm really liking it so far. I just started doula work. I've only had one birth for my birth support, but I have childbirth education classes lined up as well. So,
0: is that what you named your kids, Eb and Flo? <laughs> no, no, they're That's Hudson and Marley. <laughs> oh, Hudson and Marley. I thought they're gonna be like Evan and Florence.
1: <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> Hannah, thank you so much for joining and for sharing your story and for now the amazing work that you do supporting others thank you um tell me where we can find you online
1: so instagram is at ebb and flow birth co no underscores or anything like that and then my website is ebbandflowbirthco.com
0: amazing and we're over there on the instagram as well at dr berlin d-o-c-t-o-r-b-e-r-l-i-n